On this episode of Delivering Marketing Joy, we talk with author and entrepreneur Mike Michalowicz about how to start a business, how to make it profitable, and how to ride the wave. Joy. I'm your host, Kirby Hossman, and with me today is a return guest and a guy I really admire, Mike Michalowicz. He's an entrepreneur, a speaker. He's the author of The Pumpkin Plan, Profit First, Surge, and The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. Kirby, man. I loved our offline conversation. I was getting jazzed then. I, I can't wait for our online conversation now. It's good to see you. Absolutely. Good to see you too. So, you know, I'm a little bit of a fanboy. I, I, love, I love your books, uh, and they've provided me a ton of value. But it's interesting as I was looking at them, it seems like there's a book for each step along the way of the entrepreneurial journey. Is that on purpose or did it happen organically? Yeah, totally intentionally. Um, so the the first book I wrote was The Toy Paper Entrepreneur and that was about getting a business started. And quite frankly, how that came about was I was just reinvestigating my own life and, and things I've done in my business, mostly mistakes, some things right, and was trying to kind of call that down to to the most impactful things. And once I got that book out there and circulating, I was blessed that some people were actually reading it and coming back to me saying, hey, I, you know, I'm struggling with the growth of my business. Now that I'm started, how do I grow a business? And that spawned the pumpkin plan. People start growing their business and they said, you know, I, I'm growing, but I'm making no money. Uh, what do I do? And that spawned profit first. Uh, then, then how to become a specialist in the market that spawns surge and my newest book uh, that I'm working on right now is called clockwork. We're talking about it offline. That book is about business efficiency as, as business gets momentum and size. How, how do you make it run efficiently? Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it is pretty deliberate, but it is also based upon feedback from people who are successful with the prior book. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, so sort of leads nicely into the next question, which is The Pumpkin Plan, which was your second book, I think. And um, you talk about weeding out bad customers and uh, so that you can go grow great customers. Now, I understand that intellectually, but man, it's hard to fire a customer. So It's real hard, yeah, right? Yeah. So do you get a lot yeah. of pushback on that from customers? So, a lot of pushback, a lot of pushback. I can't afford to fire uh, any clients. So I'm barely scraping by is the most common thing I hear. Um, if I get rid of one client, I'm getting rid of uh, food that I'm putting on the table. So I'm going to wait until a good client comes and then I'll fire a bad client. And I get that from an emotional standpoint, but actually it doesn't work logically. When we are maxed out, when we're serving our clients, we don't have the space to serve another client. Um, we don't have the space to market to another client. So those clients actually don't even appear. Or if they do, it's from our peripheral vision. They actually kind of blaze by. Yeah. Someone inquires and says, hey, can you do so-and-so? And like, yeah, I can do that. And we're back to serving our clients. And we don't cater to the needs in the sales process or prospecting prospect process of what a good prospect truly needs. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is first, and it sounds courageous, but I'll tell you why it's not so risky, is to get rid of a low-hanging client to free up the space so we can devote time to good prospects and good clients. One thing I hear, by the way, is when people do this, inevitably people come back to me and say, Mike, you wouldn't believe it. I got rid of that client and out of nowhere, I was able to replace that client with a great client only a few weeks or months later. Well, it's not out of nowhere. They've always been circling around. It's just this time you had space to take them. Mm -hmm. But here's hopefully the logic that I'll push it over. 
there was a study uh, conducted by a company called Strategex. They are uh, actually in the Chicago area, so more out toward you than, than me. Um, and what they did was an analysis of companies that had um, about a thousand companies, and they analyzed their client mix. They put them into what they call quartiles: the top 25 percent, the middle 25, the lower 25, and then the lowest 25. And they sorted clients by revenue. No surprise, the old Pareto principle that 80% plus of the revenue is being generated by the top 25% quartile. So you kind of expect that. You know, we all have this few big clients. They then did a profit analysis and found, and this was the shocking thing, that the top 25% of our clients generate 150% of our profit. Which, if you do the math, it's impossible to generate more than 100%. How can a client generate 150% of our total profit? Well, the middle quartiles, the upper 25 and lower 25 middle, were negligible on profit. They they were basically break even. The lowest 25% of clients resulted in a 50% loss in profits, mm. and the, therefore the top clients are actually carrying the weak clients we have. And what we have to realize, and this is tr- true for for almost all businesses, the weakest clients we have take a disproportionate amount of time, attention, effort. They don't pay their bills. They, they, they tell us to redo work, and then they still don't pay the bills. And they, they take such a massive emotional drain. They're the ones, when we go to sleep, we're like, oh, this client, I cannot take care of them. They're, they're never happy. And when we wake up, they're the first one we're paying attention to. If we have the courage to remove a weak client, we actually will immediately boost profitability because less rework, yeah. uh, less resources are necessary. So we will see immediate profit boost if we cut the costs accordingly. But we get rid of also the emotional weight. We free up time, and that allows us to concentrate on the best clients. So that's why we have to fire the worst. Yeah, I tell you, it was funny. I, obviously, I've read the book, and the one piece where it was just basic common sense, right, where you said something along the lines of, look, they're the ones that when the phone rings and you see it's them, you go, ugh. Um, and, I, and I'm like, oh, well, that's actually a really easy metric. <laughs> yeah, I, I call it the cringe factor. Yeah, right. And it, yeah, and so there, there's other clients that when the phone rings, we're like, yeah. yeah. Oh, what may, is there a new business opportunity? Do they want to do more work with me? Yeah. Those are few and far between, but we should make that our common sensation by focusing on those clients and cloning them. Here's the great irony. Those cringe factor clients, the ones when the phone rings, we're like, oh, does it have to be them? Those clients often – we, we put on a smile, we answer the phone, we, we try to serve them, and they are blown away. They're like – they tell their friends, they say, you wouldn't believe this. Every time I call, Kirby is smiling. He, he gives me the most extraordinary service, and I don't even pay this guy. You've got, <laughs> you got to work with him. So you know, our weakest clients are telling other people that you got to work with Kirby because he does it for free. Yeah. And that's why we keep attracting these weak clients. That's a really good point. Um, so, okay, final question for you. Your book, Profit First, is one that I recommend all the time. I actually don't have one because I keep giving it out. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and um, it's funny because I know you have a group of Profit First accountants. You have a Profit First podcast. It seems like it's sort of taken off a life of its own. Yeah. So, A, are you ever surprised when something like that happens where it takes off? And then, B, why do you think it has? Yeah, so, yes, surprised, um, but – but not, and that mm-hmm. almost sounds a little bit egotistical. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that it's taken off. That people are actively talking about it and sharing it. Um, I, I 
had, I no longer do, but I had the mentality when I first started my businesses, once I discovered something that served me, that was my strategic advantage. I wasn't going to tell anyone, especially my competition. <laughs> so I am pleasantly surprised how many people circulate it. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised in, I have devoted my life to this. I, my life's purpose is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my books do it, but Profit First is the heart of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every day I am out there spreading the word. You know, we're talking about it right now, but I'm, I'm traveling to India in two weeks to travel the country, speak in, I think, eight cities about Profit First. And I do that at, at a pretty relentless pace right now. Um, but it gives me joy. So I'm not surprised in that regard because I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Um, and what was the other Just part why, of the question? Why do you think it's taken off the way it has? Oh, yeah, because I think it's, it's our natural behavior. I think traditional accounting tells us you know you got to read all these different statements and cash flow and balance sheets and it's just, it's confusing what i believe most entrepreneurs revert to i surely do is i actually just log into my bank account and see if i have money or not and, and if i have money i can spend it and if i don't well you know i got to sell something so if that's my natural behavior we need a system that works with our natural behavior and that's what i did with profit first we as entrepreneurs don't need to change just do what you normally do. Log into your bank account. But now, because money's pre-allocated to different accounts based upon the system, people know how to run their business mm-hmm. instantly by, by not changing. I think traditional accounting requires us to change, and we can't. Profit <laughs> First, I think, I think Profit First is working so well, and people are connecting with it because we don't need to change anymore. The system needed to change. Yeah. No, and, and again, this is a book just for what it's worth. Uh, and Mike's on the show, but I, I, I recommend Profit First to anybody who's running a small business. It is, it's changed the way we do business uh, at Hosman Marketing and Hosman Brewing. So uh, definitely recommend running out and getting all of his books, but Profit First is one of my favorites. So, uh, Mike, I give, uh, you've answered my three questions. I sincerely appreciate that. I give everybody a chance to ask me one question. And so I wanted to see if you had any questions for me. Yeah, I do. I do. And this has been sitting in my mind uh, since the second we connected this morning. A brewery, <laughs> dude, you started the like the dream business, I think, for every guy um, <laughs> on the planet. But how, what, how did you, how did you get the courage to do that? Mm. And now that you're doing it, what's, the, is it coming out to be what you envisioned? Uh, so, so thank you. Uh, yeah, courage is actually the right thing. Um, it was one of those things where, I, and I'm sure you totally appreciate this. I had been thinking about doing something like this in addition to my marketing company for a long time, and I kept mm-hmm. taking the, the plan out and putting it away, and plan out and putting it away. And one day, I just decided that if I didn't do this years from now, I would regret it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it succeeds, it fails, whatever. I'm going to be pissed if I don't try it. And so I finally came, I remember the day because I drove home and said to my wife, Amy, we're going to start a brewery. And she was like, great. (laughs) Um, and then, but, but the way we've done it, and I think you'll appreciate this is we've started super small and we've started with the idea that we're going to put it out there. We're going to learn and then we're going to change. And so Mm -hmm. has that, um, you know, we're always looking for more business, but I think immediately because we started small, um, I didn't make big mistakes. I've made small mistakes because that's all I could afford to make. Uh, yeah. And so then we're changing as we go that way. And so that's been really fun. And I mean, literally yesterday, we're like, well, do we want to pivot a little bit on this? And because we can. Um, and so, and, and of course, using the profit first method. So we're trying to make sure we get our bills paid and keep the lights love on and, and, and all that good stuff. So I love it. I can't wait to crack a beer with you out there one day when I come out your way. I would love that. Well, Mike. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and we'll definitely you, talk again when the new book comes out next year and uh, we'll do it again. Okay. Sounds wonderful. Thanks, Kirby. You bet. That wraps up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time.